The Spectator magazine combines incisive political analysis with books and arts reviews of unrivaled authority. Subscribe today for just £12 and receive a 12-week subscription in print and online, plus a £20 Amazon gift voucher, absolutely free. Go to spectator.co.uk forward slash voucher. Hello and welcome to Coffeehouse Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Katie Balls and I'm joined by James Forsyth and Fraser Nelson. Rishi Sunak has managed to outlast Liz Truss as Prime Minister when it comes to the, the length of the premierships. That isn't to say that he is no longer facing problems from his backbenchers. Priti Patel has backed a new campaign to restore democracy within the Tory party. Um, this is led by Lord Cruddis, a figure who has been very pro-Boris Johnson. Um, the campaign, which is called the Conservative Democratic Organisation, um, appears to take issue with Rishi Sunak's elevation to number 10 without a membership vote and is calling for the membership to have more of a say, whether it's on leader or on policy. Fraser, what do you see this as? Is this just an alone campaign or could this be back part of a wider effort to make sure someone closer in tune with the grassroots is elected next time? At the moment, it's a pretty lonely campaign, but it's significant because this is quite obviously an anti-Rishi campaign. We all know that Rishi Sunak was not the winner of a leadership contest and that he was uh, elected by, well, even elected by Tory MPs, the only one who passed the threshold. So if any campaign saying we need more democracy in the party is drawing attention to the rather undemocratic method that was used to select um, Rishi Sunak. Now, I myself have got no problem with that under a parliamentary system. Leaders can choose however they want and the idea that you know if you have of all Tory parties vote for somebody that leader is somehow more legitimate than if a bunch of MPs choose them to me is this for the birds I mean if somebody's chosen by a general election yes they've got a mandate but you can certainly make the reverse argument that what the Conservatives needed less democracy amongst their people because the selectorate, the Tory party members, in a very different wavelength to the rest of the country. So anybody who goes down well with them is unlikely to go down well more broadly. And so I, I can see this both ways. But what to me is most significant that is this thing is happening at all. Pretty Patel is known to be, you know, pretty bitter about the way that the last exper- governmental experiment ended, and she's making trouble here. Interestingly, so I thought she would go quietly, but no, she's going to rage against the dying of the right. How worried do you think Number Ten will be by this campaign, James? And how likely do you think some of its recommendations? So, for example, going back to a period where Tory members can decide policy, vote on policy at a conference, is that going to be something that people listen to? I mean, the party conference in the years that that, that that we've all been doing doing these jobs has clearly changed. Has clearly become more corporate. And I mean, there is a debate about how you get members more involved. Whether you want to go back to policy being made on the conference floor, which lasted much longer in the Labour Party than it did the Tory Party, I think is 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 another question and debate. When I saw this email dropped in my inbox on Sunday morning from this group, it did remind me of why some people close to Rishi Sunak were quietly actually, you know, when it looked like Penny Mordaunt, do you remember that, might actually get the number. Some people actually thought there would would be a benefit in this because they thought they were very confident that he would win if it had gone to a contest among the members in those circumstances. And as Fraser said, that would have given you a kind of, you would have then been able to say, look, I've gone to the membership and, I, and I've won. I think that, you know, on the list of things that there are for number 10 to worry about, you know, there are quite a few things on that list. So I don't, I don't, I don't you know, I, I... Not top of the list. So I don't think it's top of the list, but I think there is... I Yet. think there is... They will want to show the Tory membership 
that they have a stabilized the situation and secondly the challenge for them in, is in the new year to show that there you know there is more to it than just stabilizing the situation there is a there is a there is a forward looking agenda too and Fraser, I suppose if you're thinking almost three moves ahead on this, there's already, you know, some people saying, oh, uh, Boris Johnson supporters, some of them never stopped saying he should come back. And you've got a tricky, you know, six months ahead for Rishi Sunak. You've got Liz Truss on the back benches, rumoured to either want to be fronting a think tank or starting her own. Do you think we could see one of the former prime ministers, probably more likely Boris Johnson, try and man to come back before the time of the next election? I do suspect so, actually. I mean, if you look at the bookmaker's odds for who succeeds Rishi Sunak, then the number three is Kami Bednach after her, Penny Mordaunt, and number one, the most likely, is Boris Alexander de Feifel Johnson. So, I'm also just being slightly triggered then by even the headline on that, because that's you're looking at the Spectator Data website, and I think we had after Boris who... Then we had after Truss who, and now it's after Rishi who. Just well, I'm afraid to say it, the Conservative Party is usually quite a valid question. No, um, it's timeless headline. And I, I certainly know at least three Tory MPs who are actively thinking of the next leadership contest. Uh, the game plan being that Sunak is dead man, that he's no way he's going to win the next election, therefore he'll walk the plank, and who shall it be after that? So, so are they thinking about opposition leader? Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Okay. Uh, I am not aware of anybody who is making any plan based on the Conservatives winning the next election. Other than Rishi Sunak. Well, James, did you know anybody who's thinking Tory's going to win? I mean, serious question. I mean, do anybody, you know, either bench think you know what the odds are of Tories going to win this next election? I think there are a couple. Yeah, look, I think there's an interesting piece. There's Anthony Brown, Tory MP, has taken to Conhurst to the Conservative home today to write a kind of piece saying, look, here, here, here's why the Tories winning the next election is, is more likely than the polls suggest, pointing out the high number of don't knows and all these things. I think the big question in Tory MP's mind is when they're feeling optimistic, they wonder whether it's 1992. You know, far behind, recession has taken its toll, you know, traumatic leadership change. And then the Tories surprise everyone by coming from behind in the polls to, to win because Labour have not yet persuaded the public. Or is it 97 and Labour are heading are heading for, 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 for a very comfortable victory? I think you can I think you can you can you can chart out a scenario in which it is either one of those occurrences. I think to your point, one of the things that the Tory party needs to do is if a Tory party thinks the next election is lost, the next election will be lost, if you see what I mean. These things become self-fulfilling prophecies. So I think that you know the Tory party needs to not think that it is going to lose. If which is Yeah, I mean, I think there are a couple of MPs who do think there is a narrow path to a re-election. But as one said to me, they think there is a path, but eight out of ten of their you know, Tory MPs think there isn't one. If you're not careful, that then becomes a narrative and becomes self-fulfilling. It's funny you say eight out of ten, Katie, because that, that's exactly what the Spectator Data Hub says. And one of our Which thing, I'm obviously always on. But boy, you must be, because you, you know the figures here. I mean, Just in sync. If you look at the, the betting markets, they're saying that there is a, a one in five chance of a Conservative majority at the next election. So that's not nothing. 50% is a chance of a Labour majority and 23% chance of Labour minority. So a Conservative majority is the third most likely outcome after those two. But one thing is certainly true from the last, I don't know, probably 10 years in politics, that very few things stay likely for long. Whatever looks likely to happen right now in Christmas 2022 
is unlikely to look as likely a year hence. Our things change all the time. I mean, remember, we, we, we've been thinking with Boris Johnson was a dead cert to stay, dead cert to resign, etc. Let's trust. You know, I mean, the, the permeations, the competing visions of the future that we've had in the last few years have been absolutely dizzying. So it would be strange to think that the wheel, which has been in spin for so long, has, has stopped and is now pointing immovably to a Labour majority. And just finally, James, we are speaking on a day where lots of parts of the country are at standstill, not because of strikes, but because of the weather. Um, yet we're entering a period with lots of strikes, the government talking tough as per usual about potentially bringing in new laws, but not a sign of this yet. So so how is it all shaping up? Yeah, I think, there's a, I mean, I think the weather is a kind of further complication to this because, you know, are the trains not running because of the weather? Or are the trains not running because of a strike? So, you know, things blend into each other. Do you think this could be a good PR opportunity? opportunity for the government then. no um because i think the, i think the biggest danger for the, for the government from these strikes is a sense that, that things don't work in the country i was quite struck by how in a kind of sign of the government's tone shifting you know mark harper the transport secretary saying look the rmt are going to force people to have a kind of virtual christmas a la covid because of these strikes means that people won't be able to get home to to see their families and and, and the like i mean the government's aim is to say look we have been reasonable And now we are having to deal with unreasonable demands. I think that there is obviously a kind of battle for public opinion coming. I think it is interesting that the nurses' union for the first time have suggested they might move off this demand for 5% above inflation pay rise, which I think would be 19% by the last um, set of calculations. I think that the public are not in the mood for more division and confrontation. Anyone who looks like they are relishing the confrontation is going to get punished by the public. And I think that you can see, I think, that both the governments and the unions realise that in the way that they are, they, are, they are trying to convey their message. Thank you, James. Thank you, Fraser. And thank you for listening. And if you do like this podcast, please do remember to rate and review. We very much enjoy reading your feedback.